Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Good morning, church. So good to gather uh, this morning with you all and uh, just to worship our great God. And I love that song um, that we just walked into this time with. And you're going to see how fitting it is for Uh, this day, and I'm so grateful uh, for the security that we have in Christ. Scripture says that we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God, and when He is revealed that we will be revealed with Him in glory, and I love that thought. You know, we've been walking through uh, the book of Genesis, uh, the last 13 chapters, as we've been looking at the life of Joseph, and as we've been looking uh, at the sovereignty of God and his work in the midst of uh, times when uh, Joseph would have thought, I can imagine uh, in his life what he would have thought in some of those moments, but as he looked back and he could see the sovereign hand of a great God uh, at work, and we see the book of Genesis begin uh, with a garden, and we see it end with a coffin in Genesis chapter 50, but we see uh, a, a beautiful picture Uh, of our Messiah. We see a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ in the life of Joseph, and we're going to look at a little bit of that today. We're going to look at some of the most powerful uh, words in all of Scripture uh, as we look at Genesis chapter 50, at one verse in particular, uh, just that stirs uh, my heart in such a way. We see an incredible foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ. I uh, think sometimes I was down in in, checking in with, with Miss Zena Pearl on her birthday, and she told me, she said, I want you to know something. She said, I'm so glad, and Miss Zena Pearl has a, a perfect setup. She lives uh, in a home and, and, and is unable to get out, but she just lives right over the hill, and so this FM transmitter thing has worked out great for her, and she said, I'm going to tell you, she said, I'm loving this 10 a.m. thing. She said, because at 11, she said, Dr. Wilton comes on, so she said, I get you, and then I get Dr. Uh, Wilton, and, and I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, really, I'm the opening act for Dr. Wilton, and that's a, that's an okay thing uh, to be. I love uh, him and, and his preaching, and I, I know that many of us do that, and I thought, you know, that's a wonderful thing to be, and I want to tell you that the life of Joseph, and we're going to see today, was an opening act of something greater that was going to come in the Lord Jesus Christ, and as we uh, look at his life, we're going to see a story that brings hope in the midst of weariness, and I don't know uh, what every person's walking through in the midst midst of this circle today, but I know that people are walking through difficult times, and we need hope in the midst of weariness. You know, Pastor Ron preached a couple of months ago, and uh, he shared uh, from this encounter that Jesus had on the walk to Emmaus, and in the midst of this encounter, Jesus uh, uh, met with these two men that were filled uh, with discouragement. The, The scripture says that they were downcast, and that Jesus met with them in that moment. In Luke 24, verse 25, Scripture says this, And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them all the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Now, I'd love to have heard every word that, uh, that Jesus shared with them in those moments. And these men, they're discouraged because of Jesus' death. But I want you to know that he wants them to have hope 
because of his death. And as he shares with them, I can imagine that he might have taken them back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. I can imagine that he might have taken them back to this first picture of the gospel. I can imagine that he might have began to talk to them about the promises that God had given uh, Abraham and that those had been uh, passing through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and how God had been at work in the midst of the story of Joseph and how God's people were preserved and how there was a line that was coming from the tribe of Judah and that how God was at work in all those moments. I can imagine that he might have gotten to uh, a scripture in Genesis Uh, chapter 50 verse 20 and he might have said something uh, like this he said when you look at the cross he said what people meant evil against me God meant for good in order to bring about this present result and to preserve life this morning I imagine that many of us can relate to the people that were on the road to Emmaus moments where We have questions, moments where, if we're honest, that we doubt and wonder in our lives. But I want to encourage you that as we look at the life of Joseph, we see that an understanding, a proper understanding of who God is, a proper understanding of who God is changes everything. It results in some things. And I'm going to give you a few of those things. The first thing is it gives us a different perspective, a new perspective to our problems. It gives us a new perspective to our problems. If you look on our church website, you'll see a picture uh, of the church that's kind of at the main top portion of it. And Craig Perry uh, sent me that picture one day, and he had taken it from a a drone that was uh, flying up above these houses. And when he sent me that picture, I was in awe, looking at the mountains and the beauty and the majesty and all the things that were around the church. And as I looked at that picture, I thought, man, it's amazing what a higher view will do for you uh, sometimes. And, and understanding who God is and understanding uh, the sovereign plan of God, it gives us a higher view and it allows us to see uh, and gives us a different perspective uh, in our problems. Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher then your thoughts, boy, I'm glad that God's ways are not my ways. Well, there's a lot of things that I would have done different uh, about my life in the moment. There's a lot of things uh, that, that I would have looked at. You know, we, we, we see so many ways as we look back in our lives where we see God's work in our lives. But when we understand who God is, it gives us a different perspective to our problems. And it gives us the ability to persevere in the midst of pain. You know, we live in a broken world where there is pain, where we experience suffering, where we experience difficult times. It gives us the ability to persevere in the midst of pain, and it gives perspective, and it gives significance to our suffering. Elizabeth Elliot wrote this, and she was writing, and she said, whatever is in the cup that God is offering to me, whether it be pain and sorrow and suffering and grief, along with the many joys, I am willing to take it because I trust him. Right? We know her husband was killed on a missionary journey. Remember, uh, next husband, he died of cancer. And she said, you know what? In the midst of this life, whatever I face, she said, I am willing uh, to take it. Whatever cup God has for me in the midst of this life because I trust him. 
You know, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, he said, For I consider the sufferings of this present time, that they're not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. You know, in the Old Testament, we read a psalm of David, and in Psalm 23, verse 4, many of us uh, could quote that psalm, and we know that psalm, and it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. I want you to understand, he didn't say there will be no evil. He didn't say that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because I am uh, following God, then there's not going to be any difficulties. There's not going to be anything that comes my way. That's not what David said. But he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We see that picture and when we understand who God is and when we trust him it causes us to have dependence instead of doubt and this is what allowed Joseph to walk through everything that he did this is what allowed Joseph to walk through all those things because he trusted God and this is what will get you through in the midst of whatever you face And it's really what God expects of us in light of what He has revealed to us in His Word, that we would be a people that would believe by faith in the Lord Jesus and that would say, you know what, no matter what comes my way, I know who my God is, and He is good even in the midst of difficult times. Now, in the text today and in that verse that I read to you, we see that there's a moment in this passage where Joseph's brothers are filled with fear, where they are filled with doubt, where they are uh, afraid of what might happen to them. And we pick up in this story and we see in the context of this story uh, that, that their father had died. And because Jacob had died, they began to look around and think, and they thought, you know what, Uh, even though uh, Joseph has been so gracious to us, we know that he was the favorite son of his father, and that dad never thought he could do anything wrong, right? We never, uh, we know that that dad always looked at him, and it's like, oh, Joseph does everything right, y'all do, and we know all those things. And so, In this picture, they're probably looking and they're thinking, you know what, the only reason Joseph's been good to us, the only reason that he's been looking after us is because of dad. And now dad's dead. And you guys know what we did to him. You guys know uh, how we betrayed him. You know how we sold him uh, into slavery. We know know all those things. We were going to leave him for dead. We could care less about him. That's where we were at. And now we're about to get what we deserve. Boy, I'm so glad that God doesn't give us what we deserve. And when you look to the cross of Christ, you see what we deserve. I'm so thankful that we have a God who loves us in the midst of that. Look at the context of Joseph's word. He says this. He says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now, I want to back up to verse 15 and give you the context. He says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? See, they really didn't believe that Joseph could extend that kind of Grace. They really didn't believe that he was capable of that. And see, these brothers, they really couldn't grasp grace. They really couldn't get a hold of this forgiveness that had been extended. And so they say, what in the world are we going to do? Verse 16, it says, so they sent a message to Joseph. And says this, your father charged before he died, saying, and, 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 and they go on and they say, this is what you're going to say to Joseph. Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they, listen to this, for they did you wrong, and now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father, 
So they come to Joseph and they say, hey, listen, you know, we found some stuff. We were, uh, you know, dad passed away and, and, and we were uh, in this spot where we were kind of going through some of his stuff. We were trying to check and see uh, all that. And we found this letter and we found this, this word that he wanted uh, to give to you. They say, you know what, we, we were on there and we, we got his iPad out. And as we were looking at his iPad, we were looking there and he left a note. And it was like, to my boys. And we want to share that note with you. We want to share kind of what we found there. And they say, listen, um, dad says that what you need to do is... Is be good to us. <laughs> That's really what he says. And they're about, and they're afraid, they're fearful. And this is what the scripture says. It says, and Joseph wept when they spoke to him. I, I think about Joseph in this moment and all the grace that he had extended, all the goodness that he had shown them, the way that he had taken care of them, the way that he had walked with them, the words that he had said to them. And I believe that it broke his heart. I believe he was uh, was was looking at their response and was disappointed by their fears, right? After all that he had done, Joseph had forgiven them and he had he'd extended grace beyond what they could imagine. Joseph's probably saying, after all I've done, why are they afraid of me? And if this was true, I kind of think it was like a fabricated story from the brothers, but if this was true, I'm sure Joseph was going, and why did my dad not believe that I was telling the truth? Why did he not trust him? But there's something beautiful in verse 19. Joseph says something to them, and I think it's something that can help all of us because it's very easy for us, I believe, to uh, look out from our righteous place sometimes and we can take the place of God and say, you know what, these people deserve this and this and this. And we have all these kind of things. But Joseph said in verse 19, he said, do not be afraid for am I in God's place? Now they were bowing down to him. They were fearful in these moments. And in humility, we see the response of Joseph. And it's something beautiful, right? He, he says, you know what? Am I in God's place? Is it, is it my place to retaliate in these moments? You know, they were bowing down to him, and I've heard people say sometimes that we're to love the sinner and hate the sin. How many of you have heard that, right? We hear that sometimes, and and I get kind of where that's going, but I want to encourage you maybe to have a different perspective. I want to encourage you to love the sinner and hate your sin. I want to encourage you to love the sinner and hate your sin. I believe Joseph had experienced the grace of God. And when he looked at this, he says, you know what? I don't know everything about uh, all my brothers. I don't know everything about what's going on in their mind. I don't know everything uh, about all those Things And you know what? That's true about us. We see people and we don't understand all the things that they may have faced uh, in their life. They don't understand what's led them to these certain points. But we can know some things. We can know that we have a God who is omniscient. We have a God who is all-knowing. We have a God who is omnipresent, who is everywhere all the time. Right? We have a God who is omnipotent and all-powerful. And we have a God who knows all things, who is present everywhere, who is in charge, who is in control. Isn't that something to just think about? That we have a God who is in charge, who is in control, and who is in our midst, right? We have a God who is sovereign in all things, and the Scripture tells me that He is 
the righteous judge. And if we wonder if one day all things are going to be made right, I want you to understand that they are. Joseph says, you know what? I'm not in the place of God. I think he's looking at them and he's saying, you know what? My dreams may have predicted that you were going to bow to me, but there is one much greater than me. And you need to get up and you need to realize that I am not in that place. Because the truth is that one day, Philippians 2 verse 10 and 11 says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That that every tongue in the presence of this place, every tongue around this world, those that would reject God, those that would uh, blaspheme and do all kinds of things against God, those that would live ungodly lives and reject God, there's going to be a day that the sovereign king of this world is going to return in ruling majesty and every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There is one Only one that's worthy of our worship. And here's how Joseph continues to respond in verse 20. And he says, as for you. So so he goes in verse 19. He says, don't be afraid. He says, you don't have to worry right now. He said, am I in God's place? And then he gives them uh, what I believe is the reason that he could have this attitude. Because he understood something about his great God. And he had seen him at work in his life. He said, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Now, as we walk through the book of Genesis and we walk through the scriptures, we see this contrast of good and evil. We see this, uh, uh, th- this battle that rages between good and evil. And we see uh, in-, in the book of Genesis, we see its last appearance in that uh, book in this chapter. And I love what Kenneth Matthews, who is a uh, commentator, said this. He said, what became of Joseph in Egypt was the handiwork of God. Too great for him to have accomplished alone. And I love this next statement. He said, evil succumbs to God's gracious purposes in behalf of his creation. You meant it for evil, but God. Don't you love those words when you see those in the Scripture? When when Scripture says, but God. right In in, in Ephesians, we see uh, that, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And then there's those two words. And boy, every time I see those two words, it makes me excited as what's going to follow them. Because he says, he says, but God, who was rich in mercy, right? We see those kind of words in Romans 5, 8. We read in Romans 5, and then we get to verse 8, and we see all these things uh, in, in this passage. And then we read these words, but God. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, right? We were enemies of God. And he says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And Joseph saw things from a perspective that I admit is hard for me to see. I don't know about you, but, and I can struggle with seeing from that high view in life. Because for many times, for many of us, it's either one or the other. I've heard people say often that uh, God is good, and people say, all the time, right? And then people say, and all the time, God is good, right? I heard some folks respond to that, and we, we hear that, and we say that. And it's easy to say it in a moment like this, but the reality is that what a lot of times we demonstrate is when life is good, God is good. You know, that's a very common message that we might send out, right? We've been praying for something and we see a result where God has answered prayer. And in that moment where we've seen 
God's hand move in a way that we desired and in a way that, that we were longing for. And we look at that and we say, you know what? Uh, God is good. You know, it doesn't often follow a text where it says, you know what? I just found out that, that my cancer is coming back and they've given me a short time to live. But I want to tell you when you hear it in those moments and they say, you know what? But God is good. See, we have a tendency to praise God from the top of the mountain. And there's some things, you know, that higher view that we were talking about, there's some things on the mountain that we can't really see in the valley, but we are to trust God even in the midst of the valley. And we do that because we know that our God sovereignly works all things together for good for those that love Him and those that are called according to His purpose. We have a God who sovereignly works all things together for his glory, and our good. You know, in that perspective, what a difference it makes in our life. What a difference it makes in the way that we respond. That's the difference in Joseph's life. And he responded not uh, with, with this bitter way toward his brothers, but I believe that perspective and understanding God was at work allowed him uh, to be freed from bitterness. It allowed him uh, to, to, to be better with age. You know, as we read about Joseph in this passage, he has grown a bunch since we started reading about him in Genesis 37, right? We've seen this 17-year-old boy grow up, and instead of growing up uh, bitter, we see him, he, he's grown up better because God has been at work in his life, right? And there's not much worse, right, than, than seeing people grow bitter in their lives as they look back. And what happens sometimes is we look back at the past and the things that may have hurt us, the things that may have wronged us, things that were there. But when we look at our past in perspective of a God who is holy and a God who is sovereign and a God, if we really believe, and that's what we've said at the beginning of this series, that, that we believe that even when we can't see it, that God is working, that even when we can't feel it, that in the midst of times where we don't understand it, in the midst of difficulties and, and hard times, we believe that we have a God that, that is sovereign in all things and that because he is sovereign and he is control and he is all powerful and he is all knowing that everything that filters into our lives that it has to filter through the father's hands right that we uh, would say you know what if this is happening in my life then it has to be filtered through the father's hands because we know that he's big enough to stop it if he wants to and we know that that he's able to stop it if he desires and so whatever we may face right we trust in a sovereign God, and, and even evil that is against us, God can use for good. So we believe that God works sovereignly all things for His glory and for our good, and we believe that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Warren Wearsby says, God's grace never fails but we can fail to depend on His grace. Maybe you came here this morning, you know, and that the truth that we see in this passage is that Joseph's brothers, as they looked at him, they really did not believe that Joseph was who he said he was. They really didn't know who he was. And because of that, they knew who they were. And as they looked at their own lives in light of the power and the reign and the rule and, and the, the authority that Joseph had been given. They looked at their lives and they said, you know what? He's going to give us what we deserve because there is no way knowing who I am 
that I should be forgiven. There's no way as we look at our own lives that we could forgive in that way. And as we think about those things, I want to encourage you that we need to recognize who God is and understand that His grace is sufficient. Some of you may be here and you say, you know what, you don't know all the things that I've done and there is no way that, uh, that God could forgive me uh, after all that I've done wrong, after all the things that I have done. Can, can I just encourage you today w- with this truth that it's not about uh, what you have done. It's about what Jesus has finished, right? It's about what he has done, right? All other religions say, do this and come to me. But Jesus says, I've done it all. Now come to me. It's not about what you have done. It's about what Jesus has done. And the truth is that God's grace is amazing. I read one uh, book that put it this way, uh, describing God's grace. He said, it's a farmer paying a full day's wages to a a crew of deadbeat laborers with only a single hour punched on their time cards. You can read about that in Matthew's gospel chapter uh, 20. It's a man marrying an abandoned woman and then refusing to forsake his covenant with her when she turns out to be a prostitute. And you can read uh, about her in the book of Hosea, right? We see those kind of things. It's the insanity and the craziness of a shepherd who would have his whole flock and there would be one that would leave. And he would leave 99 for one that was too dumb. That's exactly what it was, right? When you look at sheep, and I'm not so excited that God refers to us and then he looks at us and he says, you know what? That's a sheep because that's the dumbest of all animals I think that there is, right? They'll walk right off a cliff. They'll follow anybody anywhere. And it's the insanity of a God that loves us so much that he would leave the 99 for the one dumb sheep that would get away from the flock. And that's the God that we love. You can read about him in Luke chapter 15. It's the love of a father who would take over his finest rings and his finest robe. And then he would give them uh, to a young man who had squandered his inheritance, right? Who had been on a drunken binge out with his boys. And when he came home, right, the scripture says that the father ran to him, right? That he had compassion for him and he had a, he had an apology letter already. Right? I can imagine that prodigal son as he was coming home and he said, you know, when I get in those doors, when I see my dad, I'm going to tell him all these things, all the apology letter, all the stuff. Man, as a parent, sometimes I want to hear those things, but I want you to know that he interrupted all of those moments and he uh, placed a ring on his finger, right? That he got the best robe and he said, I'm rejoicing because my son has come home. It's a love that calls us into the kingdom of God. It's a love that looks at somebody like me who is full of sin and who deserves nothing but the wrath of God. It's a love that calls us into the kingdom not because we've been good, but because He is good. Amen. Isn't it good to know that God calls us into His kingdom not because of our righteousness, not because of anything. Fact is, it's in spite of our righteousness. The scripture tells us that there's nothing righteous in us and that there's not no one of us that is righteous, right? And our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of a holy, loving God. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that our God forgives us based on His grace and His love and His mercy. Man, you say, can He really forgive me? Yes. Man, His grace is Amazing. And when you've experienced His grace, He desires that we might live our lives out of an overflow of His grace, not out of fear of condemnation. I'm, I'm so thankful as we've been reading through the book of Romans, right? Don't you love uh, in Romans 8 where He says, Therefore, there is therefore, there are, excuse me, therefore, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Boy, isn't that good news to know today? I heard the French story of these two friends. 
they were talking to each other, and one of them uh, looked at his friend, and he remarked to the other one, and he said, man, you look depressed. He said, you look pretty upset. What's going on? And his friend quickly replied, my future. And he looked at him, and he said, what is it? What in the world about that makes you so hopeless? And he looked at him, and he said, my past. I just want you to know this morning, if you've repented of your sin and placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that your past is forgiven and your future is secure. Isn't that good to know that there, you know, as we were singing early and just singing in Christ alone, Man, what a, a joy it was to know, to know that, uh, that there's no scheme of man, that, that there's no one that could ever pluck us uh, from his hand, right, that, that here we stand. And I want to encourage us, no matter what things you're facing in the midst of this life, if you have repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that's where you stand. And I believe that when we look and we know, like, I think there's two kinds of people in this world that struggle with their salvation. There's people that have never repented of their sin and place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe uh, as a young person, they uh, prayed a prayer following uh, a pastor at some point, or maybe uh, they were in a vacation Bible school and there was an invitation. I experienced this as a young man where there was an invitation that said, you know what, if you don't want to go to hell, uh, come forward. Uh, And I want you to understand that that's not the gospel. The gospel doesn't say, you know what, if you don't want to go to hell, uh, come forward. And there may be people that have repeated a prayer or done something like that. And every moment at the end of a service, you may experience uh, the calling and the, the stirring of God in your life to say, you know what, you need uh, to, to, to leave your sin and you need to repent and follow me and surrender to me, not in light of what you've done, not in, uh, in, in view of all that you've done to earn salvation, but in light of all that Christ has done. There are people that have never repented of their sin and placed their faith and trust in the finished work of the cross. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any of us can boast, right? And we uh, see a beautiful exchange as we uh, turn away from our sin, right? That word repent simply means a change of mind that results in a change of direction. And we understand that it's because of our sin that we are, uh, that God is holy and he is perfect and he is just and the just punishment that we deserve is death. But the grace of God, right? The Bible says that the wages of sin, what we earn is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord and we repent of our sin we turn from going our direction and we turn in surrender right and we saw uh, those brothers bow down uh, to Joseph but there is only one that we should bow to and his name is Jesus and we see us turning from our sin and bowing down in surrender knowing that there's nothing we could do to climb our way or earn our way you know technically we see uh, the the, the cross uh, as a bridge we see that as a way for us to get from here to heaven but I want you to know that the cross was God's way of coming and descending into this earth. I want you to know that that we see that grace came to earth. John chapter 1 verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Like Joseph, Jesus was our elder brother, and he was sent to a foreign land for our rescuing. He too was the favorite of his father, right? Scripture says in Matthew 3 that uh, as Jesus was baptized, that we see this beautiful Trinitarian picture, and we see God the Father say, This is my beloved love, son, in whom I am well pleased. Joseph sold for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus sold for 30 pieces of silver. Like Joseph, Jesus was innocent of the wrongdoing against him, and against him wicked men poured out their wrath. And like 
Joseph. Jesus pardoned uh, every man, the men that were doing this to them. He cried out from the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And as we look to the cross, the most horrible uh, moment that we could see in the midst of history, right? As we look at what Jesus took on on the cross, the center point of history, and I believe as this happened, can you imagine his followers? Can you imagine his disciples? The shock that they would have had. They had committed their lives to follow him. They thought that he was going to free them from Roman oppression. That he uh, that he was going to be the very Messiah. That he was the very Messiah of Israel, and that he was going to be a Messiah that would be a, a ruling Messiah and a, and, a, and a victorious King. In those moments, and they had put everything on the line to follow this Jesus, but their understanding of him was somewhat limited. And when he was taken from them, when he was betrayed, when he was nailed and hung to a Roman cross, when they drove nails through his hands and his feet, their lives were shattered. Their dreams were shattered. Their dreams were over, right? Their hope was gone. They would have been more discouraged than anyone we could have ever imagined, right? But glory be to God, on the third day, he rose in victory. Hallelujah. And because of that, what looks like in those moments, in those moments, moments around the cross, what looked like uh, the, the, the worst moments that could ever be become the greatest moments that's ever been, right? And we see the redemption plan of God fulfilled. And I just want to encourage you with one other little thing this morning. It was always God's plan that Jesus would die and rise from the grave. In Acts 2.23, the scripture says this, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God was nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death but God whoa man I love that but God and here's another one maybe the best one of all right you see these evil men that they took and they nailed our sovereign king right they nailed this suffering servant to a cross and they nailed him to a cross and these godless men put him to death but God whoa, glory to God but God raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death isn't it good to know boy no matter whatever we face uh, Paul said for me to live is Christ and to die is gain he said I'm not going to lay down I'm not going to bow down he said I'm going to go to the very end because you can't kill a dead man he said I died already he, and I want you to know that if you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God then you are uh, somebody that doesn't have to fear the things of this world because we know that we have a sovereign God who is working, a God who stepped out from the glories of heaven that entered into this broken mess that we are again, that was crucified at the hands of sinful, angry men. But I want you to know that our God, but God, hallelujah, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for, it to, for him to be held in his power. Boy, that's good news this morning. That's as good a news as we can get. I just wonder, you know, amen, do we have forgiveness of sin? If we experience God's grace, do you know him in a personal way? The scripture says that he died on a cross in my place for my sin. And he went to that cross. There was no other way. There was no other way that, that, that the gap, the separation. See, I think what broke Joseph's heart was he had forgiven them all that thing. And then in that relationship, he, they didn't believe, right? Joseph said, I forgive you. I, I offer you all these things. I'm going to take care of you. And here all of a sudden, his brothers are going, you know what? I don't know if he really meant that. I don't know 
if it really and it broke his heart. And I want you to know that when people hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they say, you know what, because I did this or this and because I am sinful and because of all that, that Jesus can't forgive me. And I want you to know that the cross of Christ was sufficient for all of our sins, that it was uh, sufficient for all who would come. And we have an offer and an extension of forgiveness through the grace and love of Jesus Christ. A gap bridge from sinful humanity to a holy God. And in that same passage in Acts chapter 2, the gospel was shared. And, and as those people heard it, they, they said, you know what? Uh, we're pierced at heart. What do we do? And what, what in the world? How do I respond to this? Scripture says that they were pierced to the heart. And, and Peter was preaching to him, and he said, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, it's, Jesus said, unless you repent, you would all likewise perish. And our response to the grace and the goodness of our Lord is to simply bow in surrender and repentance and to allow Him to save us, to change us from the inside out, and then we no longer live according to our good works and the things that we're trying to do to earn our way. But we live in light of the glory and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in response to His grace, He lives through us. It's an enabling work. And if you've placed your faith in Christ, you can know that you're saved. You can know that you're secure in Him. First John 5 says, He who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son does not have life life. And these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. If you've trusted Jesus and you can be secure in knowing that His grace is sufficient. If you've never trusted Jesus, you can know that His grace is sufficient. And our response, all of us, is to worship if you've never trusted Jesus, our response today is to surrender for the very first time, just to, just to kneel before a holy God. Say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that there's nothing good in me. That because of my sin, I'm separated from you. But I believe and I trust in the finished work of the cross, not in my good works or anything that I've done, but in what you have done on the cross. And I believe, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to save me, and to help me to live for you. And if that's you, if you're here this morning, I want to invite you to pray something like that. It's not uh, these magic words of a prayer, but if God is speaking to you and the Spirit of God is piercing your heart and you say, what do I do? And you do that. You surrender. You repent. You trust Jesus as Lord in everything changes. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your goodness. Lord, we are grateful for your mercy. Lord, as we come to the close of this service, God, we ask you, Lord, to do what only you can do in our midst. God, may you uh, God, touch the one who uh, is nearest eternity. Father, we pray, God, that if there's someone under the sound of my voice that has never trusted you, Lord, that they might God, in these moments, Lord, surrender their lives to you, that they might call upon your name. Lord, your word tells us that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord could be saved. Lord, that if we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and believe in our heart 
that God has raised him from the dead. Lord, if we believe that we could be saved. Lord, I pray that this morning would be a morning of surrender. Lord, I pray that it would be a morning of strengthening. Lord, as we trust in your work in the midst of this broken world, Lord, and it gives us hope. God, our past is no longer uh, something that uh, can bind us up and imprison us, Lord, because we know that if we are in Christ, that we are forgiven and free. Lord, help us to live, Lord, in light of the fact that we are. God, if we've been saved, that we're part of your family and we are your children. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.